This uh, last week, I don't know if you guys saw, we, we just kind of reordered it, but I am so excited. I don't know if you saw the mounds of, of, of stuff that people brought in out there, and that's just a, a taste. There's some more stuff that I know people were saying, hey, I need to bring this, I need to bring that. This Saturday, we're going to be going to the Blessing Center, and my goal is to fill up my van with all that and just take it over. I mean, we're a small church, but that's a lot of, I'm sorry, but that's a lot of crap, isn't it? That's, that's great. I love it. And, and that's not just junk. That's good stuff. And, and there's nothing wrong with just decluttering our soul and, letting, and, and trusting in God instead of our own closet, right? And, and, I, and you know what's great? I'm not seeing any naked people today. That's a good thing. That means there was no fear of nakedness, right? No danger of nakedness getting rid of some of your stuff. So that's okay. So I'm so proud of you guys, and I feel like we're just a little bit lighter now. I know I am. Oh, it's so much easier to go into my closet and not have to wonder about what I'm going to wear because I only got like five things now. <laughs> so I better, I'm like, oh, eeny, meeny, miny, I'll take that one. You know, there, before it was like, what do I wear? I was stressed out. And I, I don't stress out of what I wear. I shouldn't, but I do. So I'm glad I got rid of some of that stuff. Um, but you know that we're, we're looking at a love that came down. That's our series and I'm super excited about it. And we're going to be talking about a thing um, today in the book of Matthew chapter 6, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus just laying out for us our 100% need and devotion on God. This is what I love about what we talked about in Kingdom Basics and how we were looking at the simple fact of blessed are the poor, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, all these things that Jesus points to and it's like, great, hey, awesome, <laughs> blessed are the poor, thanks Jesus. No, no, but he, he's, he's doing such an amazing thing in that where he's pointing us to any time you can stop trusting in yourself or you can see yourself for what you really are, which is basically, you don't amount to all that much. And that's, I think, the hardest thing for us human beings, our, us created folk down here on earth, to, to realize that, man, I don't have it all. I can't do it. That's got to be the toughest thing. I know it is for me. But anytime we get to that point where we hear the words of Jesus as he, as he comes down and he directs us, he shows us that, wow, we have a Savior that wants to meet us in our insufficiency. We have a Savior that wants to meet us in our weakness, in our limitedness, because he's unlimited. In our finiteness, we can meet the infinite one. That is the glorious word of truth that Jesus, the living word, brings to us as his creation, as his brothers, as his sisters, as God's children. That we can trust in him instead of ourself. So anytime, at the end of the day, when you can say, you know what, I didn't trust in myself as much today as I trusted in God, that's a good day. That's a good day. And so when we have this pile of stuff out there that says, you know what, I'm trusting God that I won't be naked tomorrow, amen. I mean, it sounds stupid, but amen. I, that, that's what it's about. And, and the more we can, just, we can just give to the Lord and say, Lord, I do trust you. I trust you with all these things. We have a tendency to walk away from worry and worship. And that's what Jesus, I believe, is really bringing us into as he goes into, in, into, into Matthew chapter 6 when he says, don't worry. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to preface it really quick with Matthew chapter 11. And so if you've got your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Before we jump into the word and get into this, th there's something that Jesus says here that I believe is really important that we need to see. And, and, and this is, it's really simple. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Nowhere in that does he say, I'm easy. 
<laughs> this is this is easy. A lot of times we've we've taken this today and we've looked at this. And we, oh yeah, following God is easy. Mm-mm. Oh no, you've never. And that's the saddest thing. I'm, I'm sorry. I've I've been a Christian for a while now, but there's times when I've been a Christian and and I thought living for Jesus was easy. I wasn't living for Jesus. I was living for myself or comfort or pleasure or whatever it was. But he says, he says that he's gentle and he's humble and he will bring us. He will bring us to, to the Lord, to the kingdom. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me if you're weary and burdened. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this. And I just want to give you a quick illumination, by the way, in this. is A yoke was something that as a teacher would do. They would say, take my yoke upon you. If I was a rabbi back in first century Palestine, and I was a rabbi and I was teaching, or I was a disciple listening to a rabbi, I would take their yoke. And their yoke was the interpretation of the scripture. How they interpreted it. From the, the, the Torah to the, the, the Old Testament prophets and what they would look at. And they would say, well, this is what it says. And I want you to look at it this way too. And that would be their yoke. We would take their teaching. Okay? So when Jesus says, my yoke is, is easy, he's saying, my teaching. And it should be freeing. When we finally realize that it's not about us. It's about him. Right? And that's the truth that we want to look at today. We just want to continue to look at this and play this out because... Honestly, when we give up and we look to the giver, that is going to free us from anxiety and worry. Because we're a very worried-filled people, aren't we? And in this day and age, this is what blows me away. We are in the most prosperous nation. We are in in the time and day and age today where you can have anything and everything you want, and yet we just scramble around like ants trying to get in line and find where the next thing is. Isn't that the truth? Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. That's just the way it is. And so today I want to look at what what Jesus says in light of this rat race of worry and what we can do instead of worrying to worship. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Um, I I, I want to illuminate really quick too. I just want to reference my brother Roland Cabrera has been coming and, and, and Roland went through some very tragic things recently. He was, and, and I, I asked him if I could do this, and he said yes. And please, please don't crowd around him afterwards. But um, he was a, a back on a backpacking trip with his uncles and cousins up in Kings Canyon, and uh, sometime in that evening, his his uncle had a massive heart attack, and Roland performed CPR for about an hour, and he died in his arms. That's something that nobody should have to go through. Um. Now, Roland is an EMT. And even in the hands of an EMT, someone who's skilled in what they... Life is, is frail, isn't it? And then as he came out of that, coming home because there was no cell service, he realized that about the same time, his young cousin was in a massive car accident and died as well. When it rains, it pours, people. And so I just want to lift up Roland right now and pray. Um, and, and I would encourage you to, this week, just pray for the Cabrera family. Pray for Roland. This is not easy. Life is tough. But we got a God that's tougher. And following him isn't easy, but I'll tell you, he's good. And he's got a plan. Everything is filtered through his hands for a reason. We don't know why. But he does. And so we just want to commit that family back 
to the Lord and just continue to pray for them. So could you join with me now, but also continue to pray for them this week and through this month, all right? Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you. Lord, if there's ever a time to worry, it's now for the Cabrera family. I mean, they've just been through it. It not only hit the fan, it destroyed everything. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And I'm just an observer. Lord, whenever we see things like this that happen, we, we just have to look up. And we need, to, we need to also not just look up to you and say, God, help us. But we also need to lean into community. We need to lean into each other. And as the book of Galatians chapter 5 says, we want to be burden bearers. We want to pick up this burden of the Cabreras and we want to say, how can we be here for you? Not here's a bunch of platitudes or, or, or principles or, or whatever, but how can I just put my arm around you and say, we're here for you. We love you. Lord, we know that when we look up and we lean in, there's something you want to do when you launch us out. And so may we just be supportive in this time, may we be loving in this time, and may we just be the community that you have created here on earth through your kingdom as the head, Jesus, that made this all possible. So we just lift them up and we ask for your way your truth, and your life. And may we grieve with them in this time of grieving. And Lord, we just want to look to your word here today because there's other things that we're dealing with. Every single one of us. Maybe it's not that tragedy that's happened like in the Cabreras, but maybe there's something that's that to us is just overwhelming. And we have a tendency to worry. Lord, I just want to look to you. We just pray right now that you would give us your word. And not just get into us, but play through us and change, transform. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So continue staying standing and we're just going to read God's word here. All right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. I mean, look at the birds of the air, he says. They do not sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns and yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you worry, or by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No. So why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor, they do not spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, thrown into the fire, he will not much clothe you more? You of, of, of little faith? So, therefore, do not worry. What's saying, what shall we eat? Or, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, you may be seated. For many people, this is a life verse. And believe me, the longer I live, I know why. (laughs) But we have something here that I think is very important, and I want to look to this. And we're going to look at some context here, because I think context is very important. But there's three therefores here. And this is a challenge of the therefore. What, what, What is the love that came down therefore? And what is the there 
What's there that Jesus is pointing to? You see, we've been talking about the difference between here and heaven. Treasures, stuff, what we put stock in, what we put our life in, what we put our mind and our soul and our body and everything else in. And again, I just want to reference the fact that the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it's the same thing, just in a little bit different language to a little bit different culture, but it's the same thing about, hey, there's a temptation to look at the idols, to follow the idols, to put my life and my path and everything in place of those idols. And we still do this today. And the idols, can I just say this? They're not bad. What's bad about wanting clothes? What's bad about wanting to be successful or be happy or have a family and have healthy relationships? Nothing's wrong with that. But we have a tendency to take that and supplant that in the place, ultimately, where only God can be. And we look to the gifts instead of the giver. We look to the creation instead of the creator. To his providence instead of the provider. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, I do this all the time. This is what I do. And, and, and Jesus very lovingly, this is what we're looking at. Love came down, not just to talk to us, not just to say from up high on some ivory tower, hey, go, do likewise. No, but to take our hand. Came from that mountain down to meet us in the valley and walk us through the valley of the shadow of death, especially in worry and with our stuff. So, this is why I believe Jesus has these three therefores and I want to point you to these and really work through this. Amen? All right, first, what our heart is distracted on today will be our struggle tomorrow. And the reason I say distracted is because when you look at, I have this great book, I just got it, and I'm so excited. I'm a bibliophile, okay? I just love books, okay? If you ever go up to my talk, I have books up there. I have a big old bookshelf, but I love them. And, and, and the great thing about um, being a pastor is all the books that they give us pastors are like that thick. So I feel really smart. Even though I don't know what they say, and I probably haven't read half of them, I feel really good about it. You know what I mean? So they're just like, ooh, and they're really old and ancient. I just love that stuff. I, I miss libraries. You, you know, the smell of a library and all that. I just, I'm weird that way. I'm sorry. But I love books. Mainly because books aren't people. Um, so, you know, that's, <laughs> I've never met a book I didn't like. So, um, but of course, a lot of people have met me and they don't like me, so. That's fair is fair, right? But what, what our heart is distracted with and will be our struggle today. And one of those books I love is, is Moulton and Milligan's. Um, I just got it. It's great. And, and, and it has to do with, with the common vernacular of the Greek that was used during the time of Jesus. Because a lot of times what we do is we take that, we take what's written, and we look at it today as its proper understanding source. But the problem with that is anybody who knows translation and culture today, it's not the same. If you go to the streets of, of India with the Parimis, there's a, probably a proper context of what that language is to, it means in the vocabulary, but it's not what's actually used on the street. Do you get it? You go to Ensenada, and what you see in the Spanish book is not the same of what they're saying on the street, even though it's the same word. It means something a little different. So many scholars for thousands of years, especially Moulton and Milligan's, this is great, they take that and they went back to the papyrus and the writings of the day and all the different things and they were like, oh, this is what they, what they meant by that word at that time. And, and what you see in the word with worry is it really is distraction. It, 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 it basically means um, that, that the mind is divided into sec- sections and not functioning as a whole. You get it? It's so distracted. It's, it's kind of like we would use the, the, the word worry for today probably for people like me with ADD. Distracted. <laughs> you, you know, and man, I know you've been there. You're watching something on, on the TV, right? Some, some of you guys are smiling. You know where I'm going. 
You know where I'm going with this. And you're watching and you're into it. And all of a sudden, you, 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 the, the love of your life comes up and says, Hey, babe, and starts talking to you. And maybe you even do like I do. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You have a full conversation. And then about 10 minutes later, they start talking to you again. And, and you go, Oh, yeah, that's great. And, and, and you're off the TV now, maybe. But, but, and they say, Remember? And, and you go, I, What are you talking about? And my wife, like she likes to point out, is, I just talked to you about this. We just, you said yes. You had a full conversation with me. I did. <laughs> See, I was distracted. I was distracted. Um, th- th- this word is marneo. Okay, marneo is an interesting word. I mean, again, it, it has to do with that distraction, and that's what it's like. And, and what's funny is women do this too, by the way. So, so you're not off the hook. Okay, we we all do this. We get distracted. We 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 things just happen. And in this day and age. Can I just say we live in it? We live in a time of distraction. If you want it, you can get it. Now it might be 38 payments of 99.95. One of the things that I thought was very interesting was back in the day when my wife and I bought our first house, is they were offering these deals, these these arms, you know, adjustable rate mortgage. And, and, and so, I mean, the thing that blew me away is you could get a house, 70 year loans, 70 year loans. You want it? We'll put it on your bill for 70 years. You see, we live in this day and age where you can get it. Yeah, you're going to be paying for it, but you can get it. And then there's just so many distractions. I mean, does anybody really need a pillow pet? Does anybody need the what's seen on TV? I love that section. I love to go in that section and look at all the stuff I really don't need. Back in the day, I, I, I was a lot dumber than I am now. I'm a little wiser. But I used to go to Costco. I love Costco. Oh, I still go there. But I have to keep a lock on my wallet. And I don't know if I've told you this story before. But there was a time when I saw this thing and it was awesome. And it was a, it was a mulcher slash weed blower. And I bought it. And, and I came home and, and I had it. And I said, look, Kim, we need this. We need it. Because I, I, I got caught up in what the box said. And the box said I needed it. So I must need it. I mean, boxes don't lie. Right? So I got it. And my wife said, now we can't pay the mortgage. You idiot! No, she didn't say that to me. I felt like an idiot. I mean, honestly, we get caught up, don't we? We get distracted. That's what happens. We see, we have many people whose number one goal today is to distract you and tell you how unhappy you truly are unless you get this. The, the, the most well-paid people in the world today are out to get that dollar in your wallet because you need it. You have to have it. See, that was good, but this is better. And in fact, you get it, and then what happens? Six months down the road, they say, oh, you've got that still? Oh, that's not good. You need to get the new one. What happened to the old one? Oh, the old one stinks now. What? I mean, you've been there. I know I've been there. I, I like commercials, right? Is, is your family really safe? Well, they're not unless they have ADT. Because that scary looking guy that comes on the screen, he's got the mask on and he's out to, he looks like he's got bloody murder on and you better get ADT or your family's not safe. So you better get it. And, and you know, I mean, when you're going to propose, you've got to spend $18 million on that ring. Otherwise, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? It might not happen. So you got to go to Robbins Brothers, right? No affiliation. 
I mean, I, I swear, there were times when I would get things that's like, man, I'm not saving for my kids, my kids' tuition, or retirement. And I mean, you just, right? Come on. I know you're here. What happens if the economy turns or like it did before? Or, or you, you know, everyone around me has a relationship and I'm getting all these emails. I see the match.com. Maybe you're just single and you're wondering. You're like, I don't know what's going on. They're happy and I'm not. Maybe that's what I need. Distracted. See, what does Jesus have for us so that we're not distracted today and struggling tomorrow? Because this is the life we, we, we live in. I, I think this is, I want to point you to a couple things that Jesus is saying here. And this is so important. I hope you're right taking notes on this. But please, first, recognize that God our Father loves us. He loves you. And He cares for you. Look at the birds of the air, He says. They do not sow, they do not reap or store away in barns. Anybody seen a sparrow with a plow? Except for on a cartoon, right? Where we're supposed to laugh because they take that and make it ridiculous. But no, you don't see the birds out there. They got a little briefcase as they fly off. I'll be back. Go into the other tree where all those other birds are going to... You know, no. Jesus is reminding us through the use of hyperbole, through that use of, of just a, a, a metaphor of, look, they don't worry and they're fed. They're taken care of. They're okay. Everything that's here is because of him. This is why he goes on to say, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? His point is simple. Let me ask you a question. When you came into this world, did you do it on you, because of you? Did you will yourself into existence? You didn't cause yourself to exist. See, everything we have has been granted to us. And, and believe me, I've played this game before. I've been in my jobs and be like, look what I did. You know, I used to look at people who didn't See, I had, maybe they didn't have, and I used to look at them and go, I work hard, you must not work hard. Look what I have done to get where I am at. The truth is, who gave me my brain? What little I have, God gave me my brain. I tried to, I tried to destroy it for a while, but you know what, I still have it, and it got me jobs. I used to be really good in the interview. I've had over 50 jobs. I've had over 50 jobs. I'm not bragging. It's just because I love interviews. I'd get in that interview and, yeah, I could do it, yes! And I would just, you know, and I, and I loved it. And I would get that job. But who gave me the ability to do the interview? God! Who gave me anything? God! See, the only difference between me and you ain't much. We all have what we have because God has given it to us. The truth is, there are people around the world, a majority of people around the world, that work a lot harder than we ever will. That work 16, 18, 20 hour days and they have this much food at the end of the day to fulfill them every day, seven days a week. One of the saddest stories I've ever heard is in India. They have these kids that are on the streets and their whole job is to roll cigarettes called beaties. And they roll 16 to 20,000 cigarettes a day and if they don't meet their quota, their hands get beat. Those kids work so much harder than you and I ever will. And yet they continue to be in the same place and in bondage. So please, don't walk out of here thinking, I have because I've done it. It's all a gift. It's all a blessing from God. And we need to, run, uh, we need to recognize this, that God cares for you and me, just as he cares for them. But we have what we have only because it's a gift. And anytime we get past that, we've lost it. 
And so he goes on to say, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow and they don't labor or spin. This is awesome because, see, if you go to the Middle East even today, you see, now we think flowers, we go to Conroy's flowers or, you know, all those other 1-800 flowers or whatever it is, right? We have all these types of flowers. But back then, they didn't have those services. What they would see is what they saw outside their door or outside in the town. They would have wildflowers. So when he says flowers, it's really translated wildflowers. And these wildflowers were mostly purple in the Middle East. And by the way, if you're in an area that's very brown, very deserty, and you see purple, that's a big deal. And especially back then, because they couldn't harvest that purple to make purple dye. Purple dye only came from this little tiny like sea creature, and it would take hundreds of them to make a little tiny bit. This is why all the kings, all the rich people were clothed in purple. And so you have... Almost like the poor people outside looking at the flowers going, I wish I had purple. It's right in front of me, but I can't take that and put it into me. And here are these flowers. Did they do anything to get it? No. And these flowers were very commonly just taken because they'd be there today. And at the end of the day or the end of night because of the heat, they would dry out and they would take them and they'd put them into their big old ovens and they would use it as fuel. So these very purple, amazing things would be used as fuel later. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, see those gorgeous flowers that are here today, gone tomorrow? God cares so much more for you. And he has so much more amazing, gorgeous things to do for you than those gorgeous flowers that you long to harvest. I love what he says. If that is how it's clothed today, gone tomorrow in the fire, he says, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. This is such a great word. Oligapestos is the word. Oligapestos. And the, this word is, it literally means like barely believer. Midget faith. You know, he's not condemning them. He's not coming down on them. He's just saying, look, you, you got a little bit of faith. A lot of people have taken this in, in the negative, but it's not the negative. It's just whenever we battle with worry, we have oligapestos. Whenever Jesus uses the term little faith, it's always accompanied with worrying or frustration and anxiety, distraction. So our faith is barely there. When it's coupled against distraction. See, in Mark 4, there's this great story of Jesus. He's not worried. He's sleeping on a boat. They're out in the middle of the storm. The storm didn't happen until they were out in the middle. Isn't that the way it is? Hey, looks great. I'm going to get out there. All of a sudden, it hits. That's life. Jesus is sleeping at the end of the boat. His disciples are doing whatever they can do to, 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 to survive because the waves are crashing and the storm is raging and it's nuts. And they finally come up to Jesus and say, Don't you care? Us barely believers, us midget faiths are upset with you, God. And it's awesome. He gets up and he says, Be still, peace. And all of a sudden the waves stop. And he says, why are you so oligopestos? Why so little faith? You see, when the worry of the storms hit, we have a tendency to go back in conflict to what we really are. Barely believers. Been there. Still there. See, when tragedy hits, we go back to, man, I thought I had faith, but it's shaken. See, when the storms hit, how about finances? Are you like me and you struggle with that? You know, we just have a little church here. Our little church, we're not always making the bills. In fact, we make the bills less than we make the bills. And there was a tendency for me when I first came on here to not sleep. You ever been there? Three months not sleeping? Right here. And I just remember Jesus' words to me. Oh, Legabestos. I got you. 
I got you. And maybe that's a relationship in your life where you are struggling and you're distracted and they're just really ticking you off. And the anger and bitterness is overwhelming and it's just waves of it coming over the boat of your life and you are just distracted and you need Jesus to say, Oligapestos, barely believer, midget faith, I'm here. See, maybe, maybe it's in the midst of all these things, but are you recognizing him? Are you recognizing him? That's all it takes. Anybody can do that. Secondly, we need to respond by giving our stuff back to God. You see, we don't just recognize that he cares, but we recognize that he cares and that's why we have. That's why we have anything. So we respond. So therefore, again, here's the second therefore. Do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. Tease, that's, that's the word for what. It's an interesting word. Again, I go back to some of my stuff here and it, that what isn't just, hey, what, what, what is this or what is that? No, it's what kind. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because this is the game we play. This is the game. See, what, what kind of shoe should I get? What, what kind of handbag, purse? Because there's ones that are like $18,000, right? <laughs> it's all about the kind, isn't it? And we play this game. I, I just can't get a car. I just can't get any car. Well, why not? Because I need that kind of car. I need that kind of house. I need that kind of person. I need to, see, we break it down into the what kind. And Jesus is saying, get out of the what kind. You know, I, I struggled as a junior higher because... Well, first of all, I was in junior high. But secondly, anybody's been there. Um, it was all about what kind. Because I would go to school and I'd just have the clothes I had because my mom worked five jobs. She was a house cleaner. And, and I had clothes that were not the kind you needed. See, I needed to go out and get the Stussy where my pants were rolled up with Stussy pants because that's what everybody said is the kind you need. Do you remember that in the 80s, 90s? you got to roll those pants up. Anybody have rolled up pants today the way we did in the 80s? Oh, no. Oh, it changed? What happened? That was the kind we needed. I remember I, I, I struggled. I would miss church uh, once a month on Sundays so I could ride my bike down to the, to the, uh, um, to the, the swap meet to pick up the knockoff Billabong, Quicksilver, and Stussy shirts that after four or five washes, it would wash away and I had a blank white shirt. <laughs> you know you bought something at the swap meet. After four washes, it's washed away. Okay? But I did that. Why? Because I had to. I had to. And that's a real silly understanding of what kind, but aren't we there still? We're not in junior high, but we are. It's all about what kind. Oh, but I need that TV. Oh, but, but I need that kind of person. I need that future. That dream. I'll accept none, nothing else. Come on, God, you're for me, right? <laughs> See, we can get caught up in the what kind that we lose track of the king who came down. We need to recognize and respond. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. See, the word for run after is obsess over. It's this really interesting word that basically means you, you just keep, you do whatever it takes to get it. You do whatever it takes to get it. Again, that is exactly the pressure and the plan that people in this world have for us. You need to do whatever it takes to get this. You didn't even know you needed it until you saw it. Never mind that you got four of them. You know you need a fifth one. I, 
I guess my question is, what are you obsessing over today? What are you running after? Because honestly, if this is something that just tickles your ears and you walk out and nothing changes, then you're not listening to the Word of God. We have to respond. We not only have to recognize, we need to respond. And so what is it that we run after today? What is it that you're obsessing over, that you're distracted with, that you have to get so badly? And maybe your stuff isn't just a thing. Maybe it's feeling safe and secure. Uh Uh-oh. Been there, done that. Are you looking, are you running after and obsessing over security and safety? Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's the idol of pleasure. Maybe you just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I really want to be happy. I want to be happy all the time. And we're told every moment of every second of the day, you should be and you can be. Just do this. Just get that. Please, don't obsess. See, your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. God wants us to be happy. Our Heavenly Father is watching out for you and me, and so we need to respond by giving our stuff back to God, by giving what we have back to Him. We don't need to obsess and scramble anymore. This is why He goes on to say in the, in the, in the, the, the coup d'etat here, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is such a key part. If we're seeking the one that has, ultimately has, the giver, not the gifts, the provider, not the providence, the creator, not the creation, then ultimately we are in the right space especially with what we have. And see, this is important. We need to understand this. He's not saying, by the way, seek seek Him first. Let me, let me put it this way. The kingdom and His righteousness is one thing. To seek first the kingdom, not for the kingdom. Because we have it today, a lot of times it's presented like we can get to God. No, He had to come down. He had to seek us first. Salvation is not something we can earn, but someone we receive who comes to us first. And as Jesus came down to us, we have an opportunity now as He seeks us out, as He relieves us at the cross of our sin and says, accept me, believe on me. And we do that. We can now, being free, being new creations, as Paul talks about, seek first His kingdom. We can make it number one priority in our life. We couldn't before, but now we can. Because we responded to Him. And now we recognize it in our stuff and in our life. This is why, by the way, again say, we always seek out the least, the last, and the lost. Because we want to have the focus of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, right? And I've said, I said last week, there's no bank of, bank of heaven over here. We can't go to the first bank of St. Peter where he's at. And he says, okay, you got your tally. And you know, he's going through, no. The, how do we give? How do we take our stuff? What do we do with this? This is how we respond, by conveying the concerns of the king. See, all the way through the Old Testament, again, God's kingdom is about what? The oppressed, the widow, the alien, the orphan, the least, the last, the lost. And what a freedom there is from the obsession with stuff and worry when we partner with God and convey His concerns by sharing our stuff with those who are in need. Let me say that one more time. What a freedom there is from worry to worship when we get rid of the obsession, the running after with the stuff and the kinds of stuff when we partner with God and convey His concerns by sharing our stuff with those who are in need. Now, I want to point you to one more verse, and this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I love this. 
Because this is basically Paul, in the end of his life, summing up what Jesus is saying here. And he says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, in verse 6. Verse 7 says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Amen? I was there for the birth of my four kids. And not a single one of them said, Oh, excuse me, I almost forgot, and took the suitcase out of mama's womb. No, that's ridiculous. No one's wearing a backpack, right? No one's got a little fanny pack, little baby-sized fanny pack. I just got a couple things from before. No, nothing, nothing at all. And by the way, done a lot of funerals, some good, some bad. <sighs> Never seen a rental truck following the, following the hearse. Oh, I just want to take... By the way, that's what the tombs of Pharaoh were. <laughs> and almost every single one of them was plundered. And now they're in a museum. They couldn't take it with them. Can't take it with you. This is what Paul's saying. This is the truth. Naked we come, naked we leave. Dust to dust. So why do we fight and struggle for stuff? <sighs> Contentment will never be had while we're distracted and obsessed. So what we, can, what we can do practically to respond is so important. i got four things really quick, and I just want to illuminate them. First and foremost, say thanks to God every chance you get. Say thanks to God. This sounds so simple and easy, but honestly, it's so powerful. There's nothing. I mean, I love being in prayer with people because the first thing we do for the first you know, half hour is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If we're thankful, it changes everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, Paul says in the book of Philippians. You can't be thankful if you're not recognizing the gifts of God in your life. Instead of griping about your job, been there, done that, still do. I love working as a pastor. I love this church. I love my brothers and sisters, but I gripe. I don't care where you're at, you're going to gripe. God can be taking you through the, the, uh, the, the, the Dead Sea as it's parted, and you've got a choice. You can look up and say, thank you, God, or you can be like, hey, there's mud in my sandals. <laughs> I'm stepping on fish here. Oh, my gosh. Been there, done that. Instead of griping about how incompetent your boss is, Jason does this all the time with me, <laughs> and I agree with him. I am incompetent. Maybe you should be thankful that God has placed you there to be a witness to Him. Instead of griping about your finances, be thankful for what you have and that you were able to eat today. And maybe you have an extra bit of food to share with your neighbor. It's that simple. Thankfulness. Second, turn down the empty promises of advertising. Just turn them down. If we're going to be thankful, we also got to turn down that stuff where they say, you need it. Uh-uh. No, I don't. No, I do not. And maybe this means you're talking to your TV. That's okay. When someone calls up and says, no, I don't, I'm turning you down. When I look at that box for the mulcher blower, no, I don't, I might be like a little crazy in the store. People are like, who's he talking to? I'm talking to the box. It wants me to take it. I'm turning it down. I will not do it because I don't need it. I do not need it. I get suckered all the time, people. This is something I have to do. Because honestly, anything and everything that the world offers at us is not going to give us that contentment. It's the closeness to seeking first the kingdom of God, as Paul talks about. Godliness is great contentment. Third, trim back the stuff in your life. Do we really need 800 pairs of shoes? No. I got three weed whackers. Do I need three weed whackers? No. 
My goal is to get rid of them. So if you need a weed whacker, come talk to me. See, I grew up poor. My mom was a house cleaner. And let me just say, I needed my stuff. I had to fight for my stuff. Maybe you're with me. But you know what I've recognized? I had friends that grew up at the country club. And they were the same way as I was. Rich, poor, it's my stuff. Don't you take my stuff. Oh, if I let you have my stuff, you better get it back to me nice. Because if it's not, get you. Right? God bless you, brother. You destroy it, I'll kill you. Right? I mean, that's what we do. Do we re- really need all this stuff? We need a third. That's how to trim back the stuff in your life. Just trim it back. That's why we've got that stuff over here. Fourth, lastly, turn over your stuff to God and share it with others. What I'm so excited about is you guys are not only saying thanks, you're not only turning down, but you're getting rid of it and you're saying, I don't need this stuff. This stuff is weighing me down. I can't take it with me. Get rid of it. And you're doing that. You're trimming it. But but we've got to take everything we have. Honestly, we bought our house and I was like, this is my house. No, this is God's house. And if God calls me to open up my home, I have to do it. Because it's not mine. It's not. I love this place. I love this church. But I need to turn it over to God because it's His. My children, they're His. They're not mine. Everything we have will be accounted for at the end of days when He says, what did you do? And it always comes back to the least, to the last, and to the lost. Because that's where I am, Jesus will say. Did you bury it? Or did you give it? This is the secret to contentment. And this is why I say as a church, our commitment is to take what you give and bring it back to the community in the least, the last, and the lost. This is what we're about. See, we can truly trust God to provide and not our mountain of stuff. Don't miss out. You can't take it with you And you're not going to, you didn't come in with anything. So what I'd like to do is just pray real quick as we we bring the the, um, worship team on up here. But if you don't know what to do with your stuff, we do. We know what to do with it. We'll get rid of it. We got great ministries all around us that are in need of stuff. One of the ministries I think of right now is is, is my father's house. They need $17,000 because they have to buy a van to take pregnant teenage girls who want to follow Jesus to the doctor. Nobody cares for those kids like God cares for those kids. And all they need is a stinking van. That's it. They just need a van. And they don't need a junkie van. They need a good van. Because far be it from us to give an offering and a sacrifice that costs us nothing. And so my hope and my prayer is that budget rent car as she's gone, at least the ward has gone to them, will just give them that. But if you know anybody, these are what we're talking about. These are things that we can say, it's not mine, it's God's. And the more we do that, the more we partner with the king, and our concerns are with the king, then we are not worrying any longer, we're worshiping. Amen? And may we worship and not worry. Let's worship and not worry. Because who of us is going to add a hair to our head? Nothing. Let's pray. Lord, we want to take seriously your call to seek first your kingdom. As you first came and sought us out, you moved towards us first. There was nothing we could do. You came to us. You gave to us. 
And God, there are so many things right now that I can be worried about. There are so many things that I can stress about. There's so many things I can say, look, we don't have and we need. But God, you are so much bigger. You are so much greater than the rat race around us. And Lord, I want to be tender and not cavalier and not glib about people's anxieties and worries because they're here and they're real and they're relevant. Lord, the truth is, people are struggling with money. People are struggling with health. People are struggling with stuff. It's all here. It's real and it's today. But God, there is nothing too big for you. And you want us to partner with you. Lord, may we say no to ourselves and yes to you. Godliness isn't some pie in the sky thing of, hey, there was this one saint I knew that did all this and they were godly but not me. No, you have called us, every single one of us, to be godly. We are new creations in Christ. And it's as simple, it's as simple as just partnering with you, sharing our food, trusting you with our stuff and saying it's all yours. Lord, I want this church, your church, to make an impact in this community. Lord, I think about that little church in Revelations that gave and gave and gave. Lord, that, that, that church that Paul had to say, stop giving, you need to eat. <laughs> there were big churches. Oh, there were massive churches, but they weren't giving like that little church. And they gave because they were concerned with the cares of the king. You're so good. And I'm a big baby. <laughs> you got something you want to do in the community here. And we love you. And we thank you. And so I just pray right now if there's issues and there's struggles with people today and they're worried they would turn that worry over to you whose yoke is easy and burden is light. It's as simple as caring for the cares of the king. May we do that with the least and the last and the lost. I want to invite everybody right now, Lord, to just show up to the blessing center and get the blessing this next week. And if there's more stuff, we've got time to gather it up. We're going to be here all week. You've got an issue. You've got stuff that you just need to declutter and get rid of. Bring it to us. We'll give it to them. We're not making any money off of it. We're just giving it away because that's what it's about. So my prayer is that, that you guys would be there in the concerns with the king. Live in Christianity. It was meant to be lived out one person at a time with Jesus who came down. Amen.